2004, October. It was first designated Cybersecurity Awareness Month today. The National Institute of Standards and Technology, found online at nist.gov, continues to shine the light on helping individuals and companies continue to be aware of cybersecurity issues and best practices. Here at Connection, each October, we've been playing our part through various podcasts and other security-related content. This year, 2022, no different. Today, on this Techsperience Solutions podcast, we're going to explore the top security threats impacting the manufacturing space. It is James Hillier. Glad to be back with all of you. Recently, I had a chance to catch up with three connection leaders. Ryan Spur, Director of Manufacturing Strategy, Steve Nardoni, the Senior Director of Security and Network Solutions, and Tim Allen, the Director of Operations and Technology. During our chat, we covered a whole lot of ground, and what follows is about 30 minutes of that chat, which began with me asking Ryan, again, from that manufacturing vantage point that he has, his thoughts on why cyber criminals have really painted a big bullseye on the manufacturing sector. Yeah, it's, pr- it's probably the most important question to ask. And I think um, it's led to a lot of change over the last couple of years. Um, if you had looked at manufacturing, say, three or four years ago, it was probably the eighth most attacked industry in the world. Um, and it's quickly over the last three years gone up, uh, up, up in terms of priority uh, for you know, various stakeholders, and uh, it's become the number one most attacked industry, uh, both in the U.S. and globally. And it's really because of the environments that we have in manufacturing, the age and the focus around cybersecurity, especially in the operational space versus the traditional IT managed space. And it's also because the value uh, and the ease of access to some of these environments. And And when you think about manufacturing, it's not just traditional IT data center, and office workers, right? We have a lot of uh, a lot of high-end investment in terms of research and development. We also have a lot of uh, unique processes and equipment that are embedded in our production facilities. Uh, and then we have a lot of other various functions. And you know, if these environments have not been thoroughly protected or the same level of hygiene, uh, they're at risk uh, for prote- potential cyber attacks. I want to go to kind of the production floor for just a moment. And again, this is a high level conversation for everybody. We can have conversations. We'll give the contact information later so people can really dive down if they need to with our team, because there is so much uniqueness within manufacturing. A story I heard recently was about a firm that was 100 plus years old. Some of the systems that they were running on were not 100 years old because we didn't have the computers back then, but they were definitely old systems that could not be replaced by modern technology. So modern technology kept on getting bolted on and bolted on, and it was described to me as this Frankenstein situation. And that group was very fearful because they had no clue where the open doors were, the back doors, any of that type of stuff. Is that story, something that one resonates and that you still hear a lot of. And is that a big problem for more companies than we might like to think it's a problem for? Yes, it's it's probably one of the biggest opportunities for outsiders to go after. And when you think about these environments, you know, um, I'll use the, the concept of old systems, right? This is you know, been something that uh, has been a myth for a long time, this idea that we could just upgrade old equipment, get the latest operating systems. We can go out, buy all brand new machines and standardize. And, you know, this practice works really well 
and traditional IT managed environments where we have shorter life cycles, right? So, you know, and that's part of the misnomer, right? It's not really a, a, an old equipment issue. It's really a life cycle issue or perception of how we secure and manage risk with the life cycles of these devices. And, you know, when you have IT managed equipment that has, say, a three to five year life cycle, it's a lot easier to keep things current. It's a lot easier to use the latest tools. It's a lot easier to standardize across the organization. When you get into manufacturing, when you get into these operational environments, we're talking high cost equipment, we're talking capital equipment, and equipment that sort of maintains its value for really long life cycles. And those life cycles could be anywhere from say, I don't know, you know, 10 to 25 years. And, and there's a lot of really great statistics. And of course, this depends on the industry you're in, but it's, you know, this, but, but the point is the legacy equipment issue, it's never going away, right? We're always going to have third party production equipment, test stands, process equipment, um, in these environments and until they don't have any life left in them, right, when they're not uh, generating some value for production, they're going to continue to be there. And so this creates a huge risk profile for an organization and, of course, IT and, and, and security teams. And again, it's on that where like in an IT, as you're talking about the three year life cycle, some IT stuff, fine, we do the upgrades, moves on. We can't shut down manufacturing plants every couple of years to be. That's why they have these longer uh, life cycles for the equipment, because then we'd be having rising costs. You'd have all sorts of other issues going on there. Last thing. And in, in, uh, again, then I want to drill into a few of the other challenges that I think are challenges, not just manufacturing, but across the board. And we're going to talk uh, deeper into some of these things. But um, within manufacturing, I'm interested in knowing outside threats more of a threat inside threats more of a threat is there compare contrast to some of the other industries out there yeah i'll, I'll just say that all of the above really um you know i think um when you look at statistics for 2021 in manufacturing we look at the increased rate of cyber attacks on manufacturing you know one of the largest targeted areas is the operational environment there was a 2200 percent increase and OT threat reconnaissance in the space. And so it's exploiting those, those topics that we previously discussed, right? There's vulnerabilities, the age of, these, of this equipment and its ability to be protected in, in these environments versus traditional environments. At the, same, at the same point, we also have a lot more technology in these environments, so modern technology sensors and other things that are coming into the environment as part of smart manufacturing. So they're new, but they're still vulnerable and create risk profiles. And then thirdly is this whole idea of the insider threat or another threat that's becoming really popular in manufacturing, this whole idea of hardware as a service or managed equipment. So this idea that we say lease or purchase process equipment uh, from a third party OEM, that equipment comes in as managed by that partner. And so this creates a, a sort of a new threat vector, right? The idea that someone come on site to service a piece of equipment or remotely manage it. And so this creates a whole nother uh, potential vulnerability for organizations. Ryan has this laser focus on the manufacturing space. I want to broaden it for a moment here with Tim, you, and with Steve. And what I'd love to do is when you guys get called in and are going to be talking to a customer about security and you find out and you understand it's a manufacturing type client, Tim, starting with you, what are some of the first questions or ideas that you come into in a manufacturing environment that you want to know kind of where they stand in terms of the security posture uh, and everything? So Tim, start with that and Steve, we'll follow up with you. 
Yeah, sure, James. So a lot of it is understanding the big picture, uh, you know, understanding what do they have deployed. So the example that we mentioned earlier that that Ryan mentioned is a you know a hundred year old company. They're going to have a lot of variety of technology in there, and so just getting an understanding of what's in there to understand how how are they wrangling it is probably the biggest challenge. Is getting a big picture understanding because, and to be honest, that is the hardest part because usually there's not a comprehensive single point of knowledge there. You, you've got to go to several individuals specifically within the production line to get that type of information. Not you're not going to get that just from talking to IT folks. So, so that's that's one of the first things that is just getting the big picture. Steve, what is it? What do you have in your mind? You know, it's a manufacturing customer. What do you want to know before you can start talking to them about the current security needs issues? Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, and one of the first indicators that we always have when we talk to a client is um, how well do they know their infrastructure? Do they know all the systems that they have? Do they have a model for managing them? Um, and, you know, that can include things like patching. But are they aware of what their environment looks like? Getting back to Tim's comment, you know, what is their architecture and can they describe it? And quite often we find there are holes in that, that level of understanding. So right off the bat, that gives us you know, an indicator of what we really need to be doing to help them understand what their risks may be. Um, you know, both Ryan and Tim pointed out a couple of things, right, and really older systems and patching. We know, uh, you know, a malicious actor really is looking for the biggest return on investment with the least amount of effort. And that typically comes from attacking older systems because they're not patched and, and they are susceptible to simple exploitation. So that's an area that we're going to definitely focus on. And the other is we're going to emphasize for the client, um, if they don't know their infrastructure and they don't know the risk, they need to, right? So all the things that Ryan mentioned, the various systems and capabilities and what they may be using and hardware as a service, whatever, they need to understand what the risk components are for each one of those so that we can then advise them on what they need to be spending their, their very important and limited energy on, right? Going after those critical things that are the most important first. Ryan, one of the things that we always talk about in security is those darn fleshy orbs. I'm talking about the humans. We're always still the biggest problem out there. Within the manufacturing space, is there a group of fleshy orbs that is more kind of at risk, susceptible to some of the issues out there. So I'm talking on the floor line workers. I'm talking anything within also the logistics aspect of moving materials between manufacturing plants, whether it's finished product, it's the raw materials coming in, things like that. Um, it is, uh, you know, folks that happen to be working on older technology systems that might be in the office of these manufacturing environments. Where do you see some of the biggest fleshy orb problems. So people and culture are a huge component of this. I think um, in a manufacturing company, it's even more complex um, because where where we typically focus on traditional IT managed assets, you know that's something that's uh, managed within a single a single organization, a single tower, right? When we start talking about how do we manage people in a factory, in a warehouse, in field service roles, right? These other sort of challenging environments, we're talking about 
dealing with complex cultures, multiple facilities, maybe over years of mergers and acquisitions, right? And so to build on what's, what my peers said, right, the infrastructure itself is complex, but we also have a lot of complexity in people. And so, um, and, and this results in a lot of sort of, um, sort of like historical behaviors that we see in manufacturing organizations. And so some of those could be how might uh, a malicious actor take advantage of people uh, in these environments, right? Meaning phishing and things of that nature. And this happens all the time. And so there, there's a lot of thing, a lot of work that needs to be done there. But there's also um, there's also something to be said about an organization and the people in the organization, whether they're plant floor workers, engineers, supervisors, or leadership. And that's really about um, you know th this notion of of like responsibility. Um, and I think that's a huge thing that organizations really have to think about when they're thinking about how do they both deal with smart manufacturing investments, but also with being, you know, um, mindful of the security potentials or the risk there. And that's that, you know, not IT organization security aren't the only folks that have a responsibility, right? And I think um, one of the things that really has to change and I advocate for is um, you know, the line of business, these different departments and the people that are in them really have to start to think not only not only about what what they have at stake and what they want to see happen in terms of their environments, but they also have to start to think about how they change their own behaviors, their role in cybersecurity and protecting these infrastructures, and how do they partner with IT and security. I think that's really needed in this world today for a lot of these challenges to be addressed because these are just really complex environments and there's a lot of decisions that need to be made. Well, one of the things you're bringing up has been a tenant of the Cybersecurity Awareness Month for years. And it's that ownership of we all have a role in protecting whatever environment we are working in. The insurance company sell insurance to people or the tech company or, you know, making car parts. Uh, we all can have that role. And if we have that more of that mindset, as you're uh, talking about, that, then we can be uh, more secure. I want to I want to chew on one other aspect here and, and again uh maybe ryan let me start with you and then then tim and, and steve and we'll get you in here as well and it goes to i think you had even said the words kind of these dynamic environments ryan and not only is there a lot of motion and things going on in these multiple departments all having to work together to produce a good as we're talking about manufacturing but we have also seen so many verticals this massive rate of change more data coming in, more sensors being out there, all this type of stuff. What what big impact have you seen, Ryan, with just the fast pace of change hitting the manufacturing world? Where does that cause some challenges for a lot of manufacturing organizations? You're spot on. I mean, there's there's no doubt. Um, you know, there's a major shift to technology adoption and manufacturing. Um, you know, this is. You know, manufacturing has always adopted technology, some industries more so than others. Um, but I think one of the big shifts that we've observed is the result of the pandemic, right? And so pre-pandemic, we had issues with workforce shortages and things like that. As we unwind and come out of the pandemic, we're seeing an entirely different view of how we adopt technology and manufacturing. And this is largely being driven um, from a variety of compounding headwinds happening at the same time. And so before, you know, we might have seen a situation where some of these technology investments just didn't have quite the ROI necessary to make the investment. And now when we have things like supply chain shortages, when we have 
inability to get access to data. When we have people who are remote or working from anywhere in the world who need to have access to plant information, for example, to inform their specific job functionality. You know, when we have um, workforce shortages in the facility, right? We can't actually staff the facility in a manner that keeps up with the amount of demand that the business may have. It's causing organizations to adopt technology, not just for technology's sake, but to actually solve really significant business problems. And so this is driving a massive shift towards the adoption of technology that may not have been there before. And of course, this is going to create a lot of different challenges for an organization. But, you know, and, and when we think about this, right, like we have there's sort of what IT typically does when it invests in these technologies. It's it's a much more controlled process, right, with change management. And what's happening is, you know, these organizations realize that they have to go address these quickly. They have to bring in the right technology when they need it. And they're just all out doing it simultaneously. And so it's a real big challenge for the organization to control this and for IT and security to keep up with these these threat profiles that might be introduced to their organization. Tim, I'd love your perspective here. Steve will dive deeper, I think, on the security front. But Tim, the idea that, you know, there was, uh, especially when, when Ryan was talking about the staffing issues, I know and I've had stories and talked with other teams that they are trying to throw technology to overcome some of the shortcomings there. Some of it's the right technology, some of it's the wrong technology, some of it is the right stuff, but then doesn't get implemented or used because they don't have the people to train. Tell me what you're seeing. That's my observation, the stories I've heard. What are you seeing? So, so that's the case. I, I wanted to kind of draw a picture to, to an example of what, what is it like to work in manufacturing. In real world is I have a friend who works in a manufacturing plant. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the company, I can't say the name of the company, but the owner of the company wants to go to Mars, but I'll leave it at that. Uh, and he's working hard to get there. Uh, but as he ex explains to me how the production is done in-house, uh, they literally, it's what it needs to get the project done, i.e. a manufacturing line may be built by an individual or set of engineers. This uh, system is built, gonna up and running. They move on to the next thing. There's some level of documentation or none. And so when, when my friend has to go in and fix something, he has to figure out what operating system it is. It might be Linux, it might be Windows, it could be you know, you know Berkeley, Unix. He doesn't know because that team made a decision because it was the most expedient thing. So now he's trying to figure out what's wrong with it. And then we have to figure out, you know, from my perspective, was the OS ever hardened when they built this thing? Has it been patched? Are they even using passwords that have of any level of strength or is everybody using the same password? And then from an operational technology, are they even monitoring it? Do they know that somebody might also be living in this thing? And so that's just one production line and there may be 20 in this facility, all of these types of levels of complexity. So, so, so that is the types of challenges that these organizations go through. I, I'm not even talking about the vendor, the specific vendor equipment they've purchased and brought in and set up. So uh, it, it reminds me, and I think we, you know, in our last podcast, we talked about healthcare where these pieces of equipment get brought in. You know, I, you know, the traditional IT is such a nice place to live because you control everything. It, it's all beautiful. You put it in there, but in, you know, healthcare, manufacturing, somebody else is messing with your stuff from a security standpoint. And it's a challenge every day to document it and get it under control. So that. I know I'm repeating myself a bit here, but 
I'm just amazed at how how it can be done. You know, when we get down to the priority level of what's going to be done, I know Steve's going to go in this a little more. Is you know, it's it's first getting visibility. You know, figuring out how you're going to control it, and then how you're going to continuously monitor it. Th those are kind of the three steps that you're going to work towards. And so I'll I'll toss it back to you to go a little deeper. Well, we want to get into kind of the, the mitigation here. And so, again, folks, the reason we have Steve Nardoni here is he has the one single silver bullet that you need to secure everything you need in manufacturing. So, Steve, the answer is the silver bullet is. Did you say silver bullet? <laughs> um, quit, go retire on a beach somewhere and just let someone else deal with the problem. That's your silver bullet. How do we start mitigating this stuff, Steve? Because there is so much. And, and Tim was alluding to kind of checklisting and prioritizing and kind of getting uh, an idea of where to, um, one, know what's going on, then two, attack the challenges and shore those up and secure them. What are some, again, folks, we're going to give you contact information because you all need to have individual conversations because your environments are so dynamic. They're so unique. But at the highest of levels, Steve, start us off. Where do we begin to get an idea? Yeah. So, and uh, Tim did a fantastic job describing operationally what the challenges are in the environment. So you think about uh, you know, we talked about old systems, we talked about different operating systems, um, and, you, and you think about that, you can't really put it into perspective until you understand that there are humans that have to maintain these things. Uh, and they need to do two things, right? They need to maintain them to make sure that they're operationally functional, because we know that production has quotas, quotas means revenue, and when you start fooling around with all of that stuff, your company's losing money. So. So that's a critical thing. Um, and so, again, getting back to the comment I made a little earlier, really you need to understand where your risk really is and do things like, as an example, if you do have systems that are really old and that cannot be updated because they're expensive and they're actually part of a key production, you do things like network segmentation. You make sure that you put those systems in their own controlled domain with a tighter policy for people to be able to get access to them. What I mean is attackers being able to get access to them, not the individuals who have to use the systems in that environment. So you create an infrastructure where you have these different domains and each one of them is based on the sensitivity or the, or the risk of those systems in the environment. You have the ability to be able to control that. And so you think about that, that's a that's something that um, is not cheap, right? Um, and it may not be simple, but from a, a practical architecture perspective, it is practical, right? It is, it is simple, right? I put these things in these domains. So that certainly is a key thing. But again, getting back to that, do I know where my risk is and do I know what I need to do about it? And that gets back to attacks-based testing, right? So ethical hacking outside and inside, using the same tools and techniques that those malicious actors use on a daily basis to determine what is vulnerable and then is it exploitable? And, and then what you can do is you can determine what systems are the highest risk systems and you can figure out a way to be able to deal with them. You know, we talked about Internet of Things. We know that's in the manufacturing space. We talked about OT. A lot of the OT systems don't use standard IP protocols, so there's a very specific way you have to be able to test that. You need to understand SCADA level controls when you're doing the testing for industrial control systems. 
But you really need to do that deep dive analysis to say what's at risk and how critical is that. And that's really what I recommend uh, any risk owner in the manufacturing space start with. And we have an offering, your team has an offering, the security landscape optimization. And, and that briefly described, I mean, really that gives the that dive in to give some of that visual awareness of what's going on so people know where to start or say, oh, God, man, we've been doing really good here. We can move on to this other item, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so the what the security landscape optimization will do for you is it will help you understand from a system perspective and from a process and poly, policy perspective where your most significant risks are. And it puts a methodology or roadmap together that says this is what you need to do. And then based upon the security landscape optimization, the SLO, then you know where you need to focus your critical testing to see what the actual risk of exploitation may be in those high risk areas. So it gives you a really good roadmap to getting to the point where you can really define technically what systems are most at risk. Ryan, in the conversation, a um, couple of my takeaways are one, there's so much going on. We do need that multi-layered approach. I was goofing around with the silver bullet. There is none. We have to look at uh, the people side of it, right? If, if we find out that our manufacturing organization might be more susceptible to the people side attacks, then focusing on phishing is something maybe in the education front that needs to be done. Uh, the multi-layered approach, as Steve talking about, uh, segmenting some of these systems into their own areas that can be focused on. Um, one area that I'd love to get an insight into the manufacturing world is something that's not technical, it's not sexy, but it's something that more and more I hear conversations about, and it's, okay, we did get hit. Maybe it's with ransomware. Um, do we have cybersecurity insurance to take care of this? Is that a conversation that's happening in the manufacturing front? What can you share about uh, the the ideas that you hear from manufacturers? Are they open to this insurance idea? Are they being forced by some organization to have the insurance there? Well, what does that look like? Yeah, the short answer is yes. <clears throat> um, I think you know, as we were indicating, you know, for a long time. You know, security has been uh, a sort of a risk avoidance position with leadership, right? Now, how much risk are you willing to accept? What's the repercussions if that risk is materialized, right? Is it a fine? Um, is it uh, is it brand? Is it production, right? Um, and I think with manufacturing becoming the number one most attacked industry in the world, there's a lot of focus in terms of why this is happening, what's at risk. And I think, you know, a lot of insurance companies are on the hook to cover these losses. And because they're on the hook to cover these losses, they're uh, starting to scrutinize the industry, the causes, uh, the likelihood or the statistical probability that these events are gonna happen or happen more frequently because it's, you know, Steve has always said, it's not if, it's when. Uh, and for some of our customers, it's how often um, potentially. So, um, I think what we're seeing is the industry is getting wise, uh, to some of the different challenges that we've talked about here in this segment with manufacturing and they're placing, uh, more stringent requirements on manufacturers and, uh, requiring them to take more maturity, um, you know, maturity seriously in this space and to, to make the necessary investments or drop them or charge them more for their policies.
And folks, that is where we wrapped up our chat. Really do hope you gathered a thought or two from what was shared. If you're looking to explore more, the first, the best route is really talk with your account managers and your teams at Connection. They can really, in turn, bring in any of the resources that are needed, including talks with folks like Ryan in the manufacturing front, Steve and Tim on security and ops, and of course, all the many partners that they engage with on the daily. If you want more content related to this spooky month of October, then visit Connection com forward slash cybersecurity awareness month. And finally, for this Tech Experience Solutions podcast, please make sure you like, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. With that, we're going to wrap it up on behalf of the entire Connection team. Be safe, be well, and we do look forward to talking to you all down the road.